Yeah, so the, the biggest challenge, 96% of black-owned businesses today are sole proprietorships, which means, in effect, all you do is employ yourself. The fact of the matter is the biggest challenge for African-American business today is not access to capital. The biggest challenge for African-American businesses today is scale. So what happens is, is that I, we've got a series of clients. We'll put on an entrepreneur summit. We'll have 30 corporate clients who will come who are begging to come and do business with uh, minority-owned businesses. And some of them will come up to me and say, listen, I've got three small contracts. Can you put me in touch with who I can? I'm going to give this contract directly to this business. Well, here's a heads up. You cannot be doing sales of a half million dollars and bid on a $10 million contract. So what's a small contract in, the, in corporate America, may, which maybe Walmart was one of our examples. They had three contracts. He said, I got a, apologizing to me. I got a $50 million contract, apologizing, a $200 million contract, and a $750 million contract. I said, do you know that overnight, that the, the lowest of the contracts puts them in the BE100s? I said, it can't operate that way. But what we have, and this is the going to what is the real problem, we have to bury our egos and combine our businesses. If, if Delta and Northwest can get together, and JP Morgan and Chase get together, why can't Pookie and Ray Ray get together? Right? The, the, notion of, the notion that somehow or another, I need to have a gold-plated business card that says I'm president, CEO, chairman, what have you, of nothing, of a business that makes $100,000, you can't deposit Business card. It may be great in the nightclub to show someone you've got, you're the chairman, CEO, but it doesn't mean it. You can't deposit it. To it's anything. interesting, Tommy, because I mean, I've spoken at multiple. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, no, I mean, so, so the reality is if you come into a city and there's three black owned businesses that do the same exact thing that make cups and they're each doing 100, that, you ask yourself this question. Right. Would you rather own 100% of a company that generates $200,000? Or would you rather own 20% of a company that generates $20 million? It's really simple arithmetic. Well, but if our ego is such, but I got to say to people that I'm the, I'm the man, I'm the boss, then you're going to be the boss of nothing. What's good, y'all? We back for another episode of the regular podcast. It's me, though, Kilo. And I'm just here to, to you know, touch on a couple things. And like I say every week, it's going to be a brief one. I have one coming up soon, though, that will be it's labor intensive on my side because I got to do a lot of research. And it, it'll be a handful for y'all to listen. It's, it's things that you probably already have an idea of but we're gonna put some numbers behind it because you know that's my thing thing and i'm not sure if many other people have done this study so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna do it in podcast form and and like i said about the the super bowl episode i did which was called defense wins championships was really about the distress index i came up with this one i'm actually going to attempt to get it written and published when I finish it and, you know, everything like that. But I think it's a good one. I think people need to hear it. When it's ready, y'all will hear it. So until then, we'll have, you know, more brief episodes 
or unless uh, I do it with somebody else, then I might have a, a longer one. But how y'all been? I'm cool. I've been chilling since last week. Like I said, I wasn't on the social, so I don't really know how y'all was uh, feeling the last podcast. I ain't, you know, I haven't really spoke to anybody except my guys, Dennis and Zeke. Nobody else has spoken to me about it. So uh, y'all let me know how y'all feel about it. But Or y'all can let, you know, you really, if you don't feel like emailing me, you can text me for the people that have my number or you can tell my people and they'll get the message to me or you can just share the podcast and get the word going and you know let people know that we got that fire and i'm not really here to make you laugh i'm not one of the podcasts that's here about laughter even though i love to laugh laughing is my thing that's just not what i feel like speaking about and that's just me you understand so this week what happened yo i'm just gonna let y'all know I made some cheesecake, my own homemade cheesecake this week, right? Last weekend. Right now, today is Tuesday. So over the weekend, I made some cheesecake. You understand? And <clears throat> I don't, I'm not even going to say Shay was gassing me. She didn't. She said it was the best cheesecake she ever had. Now, for the disclosure, full disclosure, Shay doesn't really like cheesecake like that. She don't really, you know, she's not a big cheesecake fan. She eats it, but she ain't a big fan of it. Like, I'm a big fan of cheesecake. I love it. She is not, but she said it's the best cheesecake she ever had. So, you know, uh, Cheesecake Factory, you know what I'm saying? I'm not I'm not saying I'm about to put y'all out of business, but I'm about to put y'all out of business. You understand? Like It's like, but no, nah, I did make some cheesecake homemade from scratch, you know what I mean? And I guess that's really the only way to make it home at home is from scratch. But see I did I did two. <laughs> I got to tell y'all this because this is some shit that I normally don't even do this, but I'm gonna tell y'all I made one regular. So I made it with the graham cracker crust and the you know what I mean, just a full cheesecake. The second one I I got to admit to y'all I did some jail shit. I had when I was when I was away right it was a snack that i would eat <laughs> the snack was crunched crumbled up uh saltine crackers with peanut butter and jelly mixed into it <laughs> that's how crazy it, it sounds crazy to say out loud but this is just some shit i used to eat in there and it was amazing it tastes great to me and when i used to sit in there i used to be like damn this would be good as like i'm thinking this is four years uh, uh yeah, this is four years ago. I'm thinking in my mind back then, this would be a great cheesecake crust. But I kept that in my head. I just never, you know what I'm saying? This, I never made a cheesecake, so I was just thinking about it like, man, that would be a great cheesecake crust. So <laughs> I came up with the idea this weekend. Like, I'm about to make some cheesecake. I told Shay. Then I'm like, yo, I should make my crust. My, my little, you know, my little, I ain't even have a name for my little snack I used to eat in there. But that's what it was. It was saltines crushed up with peanut butter and jelly mixed into it. It shit was amazing to me. I used to love eating it. But, uh, and normally I don't even do, like, the stuff that I was doing in jail, you know, that jail shit, I don't normally do it. I don't do it, period, out here. Like, since I've been home, I cut it all off. You know what I mean? I ain't had a pack of noodles since I've been home. Shit like, like, I'm just... Not doing it. I'm not crushing chips up, putting them in soups. I'm just not doing that type of stuff because I don't even want to do this. Nothing that what I was doing in there. So, but this, I had to try it because I'm like, man, this was just too good. I remember it, and I remember the taste, and I'm like, dang, I need to, 
So I, you know what I mean? I make my cheesecakes. The, the, I make the full cheesecake. I make the cream and everything. But this is how I deal with my peanut butter and jelly crust. Peanut butter, jelly, saltine crust, right? I did it in cupcakes. So Zeke and Dennis, that picture y'all seen <laughs> that I sent y'all, that was, that was my, my jail cheesecake shit. So I put it in little cupcake um, things. I made that the crust. I packed it down. And then I, you know, I put my cream. I put the cheesecake filling over top of that. And I baked it. And it did its thing or whatever. And then when it came out, then I, I'm, oh, also I made a strawberry glaze out of fresh strawberries and some um, natural organic sugar. I made that. And I didn't put anything else in it. Just um, some, some alkaline water, some strawberries and some organic sugar and that was it stirred that up whipped it up until it got you know like a like a preservative or like a jam then i squeezed that on top of my cheesecake cupcakes man only problem is my crust didn't come out the way i want because you gotta think i'm setting this is a new this is a new territory for anybody. Nobody has ever tried to make cheesecake with crust like this. So for me to be experimenting, I think I did a pretty good job. I smashed them little cheesecake cupcakes with the with the gel crust. I smashed them, but I, I figured out how I could improve on it. You understand? So the, the full cheesecake that I made with the graham cracker crust and everything, that came out great. Well, me and Shay been eating it with the strawberry jam stuff I made, strawberry glaze stuff I made. We've been eating it with that on top. And uh, we ran out the other day, so I just, like, right now, I'm making another another batch of that strawberry glaze right now. You know what I mean? I'm just here to say, you know, Top Chef, the regular podcast, is also home of the best cheesecake maker in the world. So, you know, and I'm I'm down to experiment when it comes to cooking because, I, you know, my taste buds, I, got, I still got them poverty taste buds. So I don't mind mixing shit that really don't go together. Even though I've grown up and grown out of that, I still eat, you know, I still eat weird stuff together. And I mix, I'll mix anything for real. If I eat it, I'll mix it and eat it together. Like in a bowl, like it's, you know what I mean? I'll mix it together and eat So anyway, it's beyond the point. I just wanted to tell y'all that I'm, the, I'm, I'm Iron Chef Kilo out here. And I, I whipped that up. Now, in, new, in, in pop news, you know, we had the, so now that we have reached the end of good June, a.k.a. like, Getting Out Our Dreams June or Good Music June where Kanye has been producing all these albums and putting all these albums out. How do y'all feel? How do y'all feel about everything that Kanye and his team have put together and put out? I'll just tell you, first of all, the best album to come out of that situation was the first album, which actually dropped at the end of May, which was Pusha T's album, Daytona. That's the best album out of all those albums that dropped, and it didn't even drop in June. That's that's not a good look. Not a good look for good June. But uh, Daytona was great. You know what I realized as I was listening to these other short albums? I realized the reason Pusha T's album was so great while it was that short is because Pusha T already been making short albums. If you listen to Darkest Before Dawn, I remember when, when that first came out, I was like, damn... This is a good album, but it's too short. But it was complete. It was just too short for my liking. But it was only like 30 minutes long. So Pusha T making a seven-track album, that's right up his alley. He, he did that before. He was, he was down with that years ago. And I was like, I think, 2015 or maybe the end of 20. It was, uh, it was years ago. So he could do that already anyway. So 
I think that's why his sounded the best. If and that's my opinion, of course, but I feel pretty confident in saying that Pusha T had sonically and as far as cohesion goes, Pusha T's album was the best out of all the ones that good music dropped. Kanye's joint was better than I thought it was gonna be. Um, Kanye and Kid Cudi, it wasn't for me yet, but I'm gonna come back to the Kanye Cudi joint later on in the year because it, it's that sounds more fall like for me. So I'll come back to it later. But off the first few listens, it wasn't for me. The Nas album, I told y'all about that last week, wasn't for me. Tiana Taylor's album was hot trash. Now, I listened to a Tiana Taylor interview today. She was on Big Boy. You know, he used to be fat. He was a comedian, whatever. But he has a radio show, popular radio show in Los Angeles. I listened to Tiana Taylor on Big Boy's radio show. And she said, which makes complete sense to me, the album came out, but the album is not done. They put it out. And they intend to do what Kanye always does with these albums that he puts out on streaming services. He's going to change it. They're going to change the album while it's out. They're going to up eventually, I guess she said within a week, they're going to put out the, the real complete version. So they put out that version because I guess they felt like Tiana Taylor's fans felt they needed this work. And Kanye felt like, oh, I don't want to let Tiana down by, by messing up her, her schedule while everybody else dropped on time, she's the last album, so we need to put it out. So they dropped it anyway, even though it was incomplete. And it sounds the way it sounds right now. She said the way the album is now, the way you hear it on, on, on um, streaming services now, there are verses missing. There are samples missing because they haven't cleared everything yet. So the, so the issue with Tiana's album now is, is incomplete because there are things that have not been cleared yet. And when I heard it, I text my guys immediately like, yo, this is garbage. Who the f who? I, I said immediately, I blame Kanye for this. And there you go. It's a production issue because things haven't been cleared. And the reason things haven't been cleared and they've been rushed out is because Kanye two months ago said, we're dropping these albums on this date. And now look, they were stuck putting out an incomplete album and this shit is butt. But being that I'm going to give Tiana the benefit of the doubt, once they get the complete version out, then I'll go back and listen to it again and see if it feels better to me. I don't know. Off the, off the, off my first listen, I was like, man, what is this? This is some boom, some boom cheek. So uh, yeah, that's that. Then I, don't, I, don't, I don't be, I don't like really how people was ignoring designer album like he wasn't part of good music. I was listening to designer's album before, uh, like. When it, when it first came out And it wasn't announced With the rest of Good Music's albums But Designer was on his own Little press tour You know I seen his interview On The Breakfast Club It was only like 15 minutes long Or something like that But I thought Designer's album Was good for the time Like it, it's, uh, as far as party music goes I think Designer's music Is perfect for the party scene If I was partying I would want to hear Some of them joints Like um, I'm trying to think It was one of them It's called like LA Nights Or LA It's something that have to do with LA it's a smooth sounding joint. I like that, you know, of course, the price tag joint. It's only seven songs on his album. So he should have been a part of the, you know, the whole thing with everybody else. But they said F designer, I guess, and whatever. I know some people have been like, yo, where's Big Sean at? Like, if Big Sean is too, to me, too successful to be caught up in this shit that Kanye got going on. So I'm glad Big Sean wasn't part of this whole seven, seven song thing that they got going on. I think the only people that had to do it, Cuddy, Pusha, uh, Tiana, Nas. These is people that need the buzz right now. You know what I mean? They need a buzz. So they need this type of controversy around their album for people to really listen to it. Just imagine 
if all of this stuff with Kanye wasn't going on and Kanye wasn't attached to these people albums, we would listen, but we wouldn't listen as much. The only one of these people that would have got the biggest following for dropping their album outside of Kanye is Nas. And I don't think that would have even lived that long. I don't think it's living long now. I haven't. Well, I'm not on social media, so I don't know what people are talking about. But when I listen to interviews and listen to radio stations and stuff like that, they're not talking about Nas's album anymore. Unless they talk to somebody from Good Music and they ask him about Nas's album. I don't hear anybody talking about Nas's album. So, you know, this this whole June rollout thing was really for Kanye to just experiment with his with his artists, really. Or experiment with artists, period. And you know, y'all let me know how y'all feel about it. I, I thought it was okay, just okay. It was not anything. I, I did like some of Kanye's production. I didn't like all of it, but I liked some of it, though. So that's that. Y'all let me know how y'all feel about that. Have y'all heard about this lady who got who got charged and just convicted? Or, yeah, she's been found guilty of leaking U.S. secrets to the public. Do y'all know her name? Her name is Reality Winner. That sounds... I thought it was a fake name at first. But her, her real name is Reality. Like, reality TV star. Her first name is Reality. Her last name is Winner. Like, the person that got the victory. Winner. And that's actually her family's name. Very strange. Very, very strange name to me. But her name is Reality Winner. And she was an ex-NSA contractor. And she took some some government secrets and she mailed them to a publication like a, a media company of course they told on her <laughs> you know what i mean like of course what else would you do when when somebody's trying to help out the american people you know you tell on them so they get sent to prison that's you know what else would you do but the woman is supposedly going to do like five years and three months in prison for you know being a good citizen and giving out the information that the american people need and I think she was the one that made it public that Russia hacked or was doing some some propaganda type hacking and, and affected the election, the government election. I mean, the um, presidential election. And she's she made that known, which is what people should know. And they're still about to throw her in prison. This is just it's just crazy to me. I heard one one young lady had asked me one time, like, why don't I say some of the stuff that I know about or that I've seen over there in Afghanistan. And I tell her, I told her because I can go to prison. That stuff is not declassified, first of all. I wasn't just over there, like, with the grunts or whatever like that. I was on a, I was on, stationed on a base with a bunch of high-level people. So, I, and, and I, was the, um, I was a technician also, so I had to set up the meetings with the people at the, with the Pentagon and the generals and, and people like that. So... I was I had to sit in these meetings that normal people that was my low rank because I was I was low ranking people with that low of a rank don't really get to sit in those meetings. So I know I heard them talking about stuff that most of us in our low rank pay grade would never have heard. And I can't say that stuff because I know that that they can't wait to hit somebody with the Espionage Act or whatever like that. And, you know, they could just say, oh, he's crazy or whatever, because I don't have actual paperwork on it like these. These NSA people like Edward Snowden and this lady, Reality Winner, they have actual paperwork that they took from the government. When I was over there, I wasn't really thinking about recording it or getting proof to give to other people because I didn't think really much of it until I came back and really realized how crazy this shit was. 
But yeah, you can go to prison for that. So it's it's whack that you can go to prison for like making things public that should be public anyway. But whatever, man. Y'all check that story out. The lady, her name is Reality Winner, and she is an American citizen that's just looking out for the rest of America's citizens. Now, another thing, as I said, I'm breezing, moving right along, moving right along, just talking that shit. The, I watched Luke Cage over the weekend. Me and Shay, we binged it. We watched all 13 episodes this weekend because, you know, that's what real bingers do. That's what real family is about. Real family is about binging shows on Netflix. You know what I mean? Don't tell me about uh, y'all relationship goals. Y'all ain't binge watching nothing. I don't want to hear it. Your relationship is trash. Throw the whole shit away. Now, the... I'm not going to talk about the show because, like I said, I'll I discuss that after more people watch it. And, never, you know, I get shade. We'll bounce ideas off each other, whatever. But I just was looking at this show, man. This this show is really making me want to... It's really making me get that ancestry fever again. You know what I mean? I had it, I had it before, and I researched a lot of my family history. And I don't mean... Like the 23andMe where I do a DNA check. Because that doesn't tell me anything about my family history. You know, y'all know what them DNA checks are, right? They tell you where the majority of people are today that have the same DNA as you. It doesn't mean your family is from there. It means today, people with that DNA live there. So I just want to be clear. It is good for us to figure out, okay, this is my heritage. This is my culture. Let me get in tune with this tribe. That's cool, but it does not guarantee that that's where your family is from from 500 years ago. It's not a guarantee of that. You understand? And especially with y'all knowing how Europeans ran through Africa. They, a lot of Africans were fleeing. They were running. That means they were moving all over the continent. So you never know where. So they might have picked your people up. In Ghana or Ivory Coast or whatever like that, and they might those some of the ones that didn't get picked up might still be there today, but you don't know where they were at when the Europeans first came through with the foolishness. They might have been in whatever. I mean, I don't know. They might have been in Congo. I mean, you know, they might they might have been in. Man, there's no telling. There's no telling where they was at. It might have been in Zimbabwe, but then you do the ancestry test and it says that you're Igbo. You know what I mean? So. This the show has been getting me like I've been like damn yo and then I've been listening to my man um Gunplay too and you know Gunplay talking about that Santeria and I'm like man I need to really get in tune I need to it's been making me want to get that get that urge to get back in not to get in tune with my history I look at people who know specific family members that they come from and they are more direct in their goals and what they want to do and what they know they should be doing because they know what's in their blood to do you know a lot of the last names that black people have in america these are slave names and they come from people who are naming they they use these last names as as almost like identifiers not really names almost like tight like like a title you know i think like certain names might mean blacksmith Certain names might mean carpenter. I mean, some people's names are literally that. Last name Carpenter. 
You know what I mean? Johnson. That's the last name. That means all these people come from a man named John. It don't mean that this is your last name. This is the family name. The family, this is what we do. If your last name is Carpenter, you come from a family a long time ago of white carpenters. Not to say that all of us do. I'm just saying these last names were things. So when you know about your family history like that, which is what I want to know, I want to know what my people were doing. Even in America, maybe let's say 300 years ago, I want to know what kind of skills they had other than picking cotton or, or picking tobacco or, uh, you know, maybe in the islands picking sugar. But if I did have a family member that went to Jamaica first before they came here, I would want to know that. You know I mean, I don't know if my family came through Charleston or I don't know if they went to the islands first and then came up here. I would like to know that. And for, for the reason Luke Cage, the, just watching the second season has me really, really thinking this will be amazing information for me to know. I done I have done some research before and I found a whole lot of people on one family branch of my family tree. But I feel like I got to keep going because I pretty much hit like a, a wall on free research. I hit a wall at, you know, 1870. So I necessarily I don't think it's cool that we as black people have to spend money to go digging up information about ourselves that we should already be able to have access to, but I guess the only way I'm going to be able to find out other people's names is to start spending money and going places and going through archives in different counties that the family was in. So that's what Luke Cage did for me. I loved the second season of Luke Cage. It made me feel something. The first season was cool. I was at the first season. I was just on my support black business stuff. I was on my buy black. That's why I watched the first season. You feel me? It wasn't nearly to me. It wasn't as good as the second season. The second season was written better. I mean, the action was similar, but I think it was shot better. Man, you know, Luke Cage was annoying the second season. He wasn't just like this perfect dude, this rip. He was a, he was in the way. Like a lot of time you wanted Luke Cage, like you was looking at Luke Cage like, yo, get the hell out the way, man. Let this thing happen. This is the time where you wanted Luke Cage to let things happen. This is a great season. I have to watch it, man. Make sure y'all binge it. It's 13 episodes. Netflix put that money up this time around. They put that money up. They said, we're going to give y'all 13 episodes this season. Man, I can't wait for season three already. You know, I'm a binger. That's what I, That's my thing. I like to binge stuff. I, you know, I watch it all in the weekend. Now, I'm off of that, and I'm on to this last thing I want to talk to y'all about. So, y'all be patient with me. This is only going to be a brief second. I got a question for y'all. You know, this is a hypothetical, but it could become a reality because these are just how some things work out. As the people who are black and the people who are Spanish or Hispanic or any other non-white and considered a minority in America, would you be okay if a white person chose you, like a white rich person, a business owner, chose you to be the face of their organization. Let me give you an example. Let's say they own a company called Johnson Construction, right? But they're a white-owned company. That means certain contracts they can't get. Certain contracts are only for minorities. Would you be okay being the, like letting them set up a business making you a 51% owner of that business and you be the face of it, but it's really their company. 
Would y'all be okay with that? And actually, the show Power, like 50 Cent show Power on Stars, is coming back this weekend. That's actually what they did with Ghost. Remember the real estate uh, developer, the white man? He used Ghost, or which is James St. Patrick, he used him as a 51% share owner in that investment, I mean, that real estate investment company, so that they can get a bunch of minority grants and contracts. That's exactly what I'm asking. Would y'all be okay being that black face or Spanish or Mexican face or Puerto Rican face or Chinese face? Would you be okay being that face for this white company? Technically, on paper, you're the owner of the company. But behind the scenes, really, you're just the face of a baseless company. The white people really run it and they get, the, they get all the money. They get the profits. Would y'all be okay with that? Now, at first, when I when I thought about it, I was like, hell, no, I ain't doing that some cool shit. Then I thought about it. I'm like, but I work a job. Me working a job is the same thing, except I get much less pay and much less recognition for any hard work. And I have no controlling interest. So why would I say I'm not going to do this thing that gives me actual power, but I'm willing to work for these same people? Now, so yes, I'm, I'm answering my own question for y'all, and then y'all can tell me what y'all would do, because you know some of y'all, some of y'all are are against jobs. You know how some people get when they get woke, they think they too cool for a job, which I'm not knocking you. You know if that's how you get down, that's how you get down. But me, I'm thinking you can actually hire who you want, not hire who you can't hire who you want, but you can make a lot of decisions as a 51% stake owner in a company, whether you're the face or not on paper, they can't stop you from doing what you want because you're the owner. You understand? So I thought, damn, I, I, I would do that because I could hire my people. I can get contracts for my people or I could tell other people how to do what we doing so that they can start a legitimate black owned business. I would, there would be so many things that you could do. Now, the reason I'm asking this is because in the field I work in, I see this a lot, actually. There's, there's, um, Atlanta's a black city. So a lot of these government contracts down here are half, they're required to go to uh, minority contractors. Like, AKA, the money has to go to a black person. Now, I ain't gonna say black person, but pretty much when a city like this says minority contracts, they're talking about black people. They said, so these contracts are for black people. So what the companies that I work with that buy, that buy stuff from my company and buy things from me, I sell them to them. The, they're, they're black people. They're black faces. They're the owner of the company that they're buying through. But they don't really own the company that's doing the work. That's actually fulfilling the contract. It's really like they, they use their black face to get the contract. And then the white company does everything to get all the money so it's like an accounting thing and it's not even it's 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 not talked about really but see when you work i'm a quiet i'm, I'm really kind of i'm i'm quiet for real so somebody like me when i'm in these in these spaces that i'm in around the, the older white people that i'm around they think i'm the type of negro that they can tell anything to so they tell me this type of stuff, which they shouldn't be telling me because it's, it's, it's illegal. 
they shouldn't be telling me what they tell me. And I don't say anything. I'm just like, oh, OK, that's interesting. I, you know, I, I know how to ask questions the right way to get more information when I want it. And then I fall back when I feel like I got enough and I can conclude and surmise what I need to. So I'm getting this info from these people. And I have heard this before when I was working in the construction industry. Now I'm in HVAC and it's the same thing. I'm seeing people get massive contracts through black faces, but they're the ones really reaping the benefits of it. So I'm asking y'all again, how would y'all handle it? I can't say that my, my people are wrong for being the face of really, you know, white unethical behavior. But who am I to tell them that they should be turning down this kind of money? Because we're talking about a lot of money, man. Like I'm working on one right now that, you know, Kasim Reed, who was, you know, he's under investigation for a bunch of bull crap right now. Kasim Reed put together this project in Atlanta. He was the mayor of Atlanta, black man. He put together this project in Atlanta that was for black contractors. And this is a big joint. It's a million dollar contract. And he, he set it up just for black people. This is matter of fact, it's a few million dollars contract. Set it up for black people. And I'm working with it right now. But really, the black, the, the black companies got it. But these aren't really black companies, though. So I'm like, damn, even when, even when a, a politician is trying to put things in place for black people... Really, there's no black companies big enough to even deal with it, to handle a, a contract that, lar that large. The Atlanta Stadium, the Atlanta Falcons Stadium, I told y'all before, y'all probably know on your own, it's like a $1.5 billion situation. But they used tax money because it was such a big project. They had to use tax money to pay for it. Being that it's tax money, that's government contract. That was also set up for minority contractors. Like, think about this. These people, like, are running this shit, and the job was just too big for a black company to handle it. So they had to do the same thing that they're doing, what I'm, what I'm talking about right now. They had to use black faces, and they use, really white companies did all the work. It's, a, it's amazing sport. It's an amazing sport. I'm only telling y'all because I want us to all be on our contracting game. I know I got some homies that's doing their own cleaning business. I got people that's doing landscaping. I got people that do um, probably... You know, small construction jobs, people that do, you know, small HVAC, anything like that. Y'all need to be looking at these city contracts. I mean, I'm telling you, this is this doesn't matter what city you're in. Every every city with a town hall and their own mayor's office and city hall and all that, they have a chamber of commerce. Y'all should know that the is is they are required to make all the government contracts public, meaning anybody with the resources can bid on it, but everybody can see them. So to all my people that's out here, it don't matter what city you in, you can be in L.A., you can be in Detroit, you can be in New York, Miami, Atlanta, Youngstown, Cleveland, Chicago, anywhere you can see the government contracts, you can get them. They have small ones that were where if a tree gets knocked down, you go pick it up in the park. They have big ones where they need people to renovate the you know the town convocation center civic center whatever there are there are small ones and there are big ones even the small ones pay good for small contractors i'm only putting information out there that's only that's my only job my job is to put it out there y'all do what you want with the info maybe some of y'all are not that interested in it that's something that interests me so i wanted to tell y'all about it and how it goes there are millions of dollars sitting out here and people are getting the money i just want us to get some of it 
You feel me? We don't need all of the money, but we can go get some of it. Some of it is very easy money. Contracting, man. Contracts, 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 contracts. That's the that's the key. My man Earl Graves Jr., it, uh, who was the senior editor at Black Enterprise Magazine, he said the number one issue for black businesses is the reason we go out of business so much is because we take on contracts that we cannot fulfill because we do not have the resources. So contracting is a big thing we need to be focused on. I'm not saying y'all don't know about it. I'm sure everybody that's running a business is an intelligent person. I'm just saying I'm just giving it to you from a different angle because I know that the listeners I have in, in particular are not in this space. So I'm just, give, I'm just giving you an example of a million dollars contracts that go really that go and black people really ain't involved too much black faces but not really black people for the most part so black business owners for the most part so boom that's all i wanted to get out to y'all I, I you know i touched on everything i want to touch on like i said i'm gonna keep them short until i have this this one that i have coming for y'all the big one and it might not even be long it's just a, a lot of work I'm going to keep it brief until then. So now, anybody who wants to get in contact with me, you can hit my phone if you know my phone number. If you don't know my phone number, get at me at reg, R-E-G, podcast at gmail.com. That's R-E-G, podcast at gmail.com. I'm responding to emails. I want y'all to go check out my people, you know, Open Secrets Podcast, you know what I mean? Got a lot of good episodes on that channel. And this is the stuff I'm naming right now is on SoundCloud, Open Secrets Podcast. Boom, you want to go check out Industry Rule 4080. That's a that's a great one also right there. You also want to check out, uh, what is the joint called? Unapologetic Podcast with Jaden. I'm actually going to be on that podcast coming up in a few weeks, and we're going to discuss some things that, that have to do with people returning, returning citizens, people who get out of prison and how they navigate through the world. We're going to discuss that on there. You got uh, Three and a Half Gays. Yeah, you know I mean, that's my man James Burns back home. I don't even know if you go by that name on there, but I'm supporting. I'm supporting my my guy on that one. Who else you got? Uh, everybody, man, support everybody. Support everybody. I just named a couple people that that show my podcast love, so I'm just showing love back. That's all I got for y'all. Get at me, easy.